Hey guys, it's me, um, back again with a new podcast. Uh, so this has been such a crazy week. Um, (laughs) I don't even really know where to begin. I'm in my car right now because I'm driving home from work. Um, but yesterday I didn't post anything because I didn't have any interviews to do. And also it's just, because I didn't have any interviews, uh, I just felt like taking a rest day, personally, because it's just been really wild lately, and I'm still trying to wrap my head around everything going on. Um, but that said, I did want to give you guys an episode today, because I felt like you guys deserved it, and regardless of everything going on in my life right now, I still owe it to you guys to still produce some sort of content. Um, so today is typically a Let's Talk segment, so today is... Uh, cliches. Uh, cliches, I really mean just the common cliches that I have stumbled upon that I think people should avoid, and if they don't avoid them, then how they can make them their own. So, let's talk about cliches. So, I have a list of 13 cliches that I personally don't like, um, and I'm going to give you guys my reasonings as to why I don't like them, um, and also ways you guys could probably try to do your best in avoiding making it overly cliche because no matter what as a writer you're gonna stumble upon a cliche you're gonna you know I have cliches in my work you know what I mean like cliches are cliches for a reason that they've been used a lot they're great ideas um you just have to find a way to make them not so cliche I'm repeating myself a lot but like we discussed it a little bit in last week's episode where I said that when you do have a cliche, find a way to make it glorious again, because a cliche became a cliche because at a time, it was a new and very creative idea, but over over time, it kind of lost its novelty. So your job as an author, when you do decide to take up on a cliche, is to give it novelty again, give it that spark again, give it that oomph. So the first one on my list, and this is not like you know, worst to best or whatever. This is just like as I thought of them. So it's not like rated in any certain way. Um, but my first one that I really just don't like uh, is billionaire anything. And this could be, you know, whether the woman's the billionaire or the man's the billionaire. Either way, I'm strictly just not a fan because it kind of seems to always follow suit with the same kind of story. You know, whether it's the man or the woman who's rich, the one who's you know, not as wealthy, usually always ends up being the secretary or the assistant in some way, um, and, you know, nine out of ten, the said secretary who is, you know, not as wealthy tends to have the same kind of abrasive attitude towards the higher up, who's always typically their boss, and that's what the boss finds appealing about them, is that they don't fall for his or her charms like everybody else, or they don't fear them, you know what I mean? Like, it's always kind of the same thing so whenever I find a billionaire story I'm kind of like okay <laughs> okay I see what you're doing but I've, I've seen it before and I'm sure I'll see it again and some perfect examples of this is obviously Fifty Shades of Grey uh, book wise that's a really good example of it um, there's numerous examples I can find on Inkit alone of this cliche uh, another one is actually a movie and it's the only one I've really seen 
do the woman's in the higher position and the man's in the lower one, and that's the movie The Proposal with Sandra Bullock and Ryan Reynolds. Um, it's a great movie. I actually really loved that movie because it had a lot of comedic aspects to it, and I'm admittedly just a really big Sandra Bullock fan. But, um, you know, the great thing that The Proposal did is, you know, they just added a comedic factor to it, which made it more appealing to me. And it wasn't just strictly on the romance, you know what I mean? Um, but with Fifty Shades of Grey, I'm personally not a big fan of Fifty Shades of Grey. Not because of the cliche, but not even necessarily because of the content, because I'm not a prude, but I just, it wasn't for me. Um, a way that you could probably try to avoid that a little bit, like with the cliche of that kind of topic, is maybe instead of making the billionaire arrogant, cocky, and overbearing and you know demeaning try to like switch up his personality to make him maybe even likable maybe they like each other in the beginning maybe as mutual you know co-workers um that would immediately kind of take away from any of the cliche that does go with that um and definitely like maybe the woman doesn't always have to be working for him as a lower position such as the secretary or the assistant maybe she could be an equal you know you know what i mean like there doesn't always have to be such a yin and yang factor to every single aspect of characters. You know what I mean? Um, number two, which I think this is quite obvious, one of my least favorite cliches, because you guys hear me complain about it quite often, um, and that would be werewolves or anything with the alphas. And I actually have uh, another one right after this that kind of goes with the same cliche, so I'm just going to kind of tackle them both at the same time. But I don't really like werewolves novels because they are always the same. Um, and with that comes another cliche, which is the abusive alpha. And I don't understand this cliche at all because it kind of reminds me of Harley Quinn and Joker. You know, don't get me wrong. I'm a huge DC fan. I love the DC villains. I love Joker. I think he's so interesting to read about psychology-wise. And Harley Quinn, she's just a traumatized victim of Stockholm Syndrome. You know, and that's unfortunate, but that's who her character is. She's psycho because she was made that way, because she was abused. And the thing about the abusive alpha thing is, it's always with a weak female counterpart. And even if the woman's not necessarily weak in strength, she's weak-minded. And it's always, like, she's naive and gullible and innocent, and if she hasn't been abused by the alpha yet, she's dealt with abuse somewhere else. Such as by her parents, or by her pack, or something. And it just really turns me off. And this is not me saying that, like, it doesn't work, because it certainly does. But the thing that, like, really kind of gets me about the whole cliche is I don't understand the world's fascination with romanticizing abuse, because, you know, it is abuse. Regardless if it's emotional, mental, physical, you know, it's abuse. And I don't understand why there's 13-year-olds and 14-year-olds who are children still thinking that this is love and like I know that that's kind of like a, a deep topic um but unfortunately it just doesn't make any sense to me it just doesn't compute with me how we have normalized this so much that we can't even have children nowadays not see this as something that's good and you know I know that a lot of people probably take the BDSM community into account when it comes to um the abuse of alpha and I just want to clarify something really freaking fast I'm not demeaning the BDSM community at all 
I think the BDSM community is a very delicate topic and it's something that unless you understand it to its complete, you know, I don't want to say manual, but unless you really understand it, you've experienced it yourself, you know what this really is and what kind of relationship that is, it's not just somebody who is abusive and someone who's dominant and submissive. There's so much more to it than that, and it's not abuse. It's it's a mutual agreement on something. And usually it's just with the sex aspect. Sometimes it is with the whole relationship. But I think people confuse BDSM with control. And yes, that's a huge part of it, but it's not the same way that people are depicting it. I, I feel like I'm not wording this correctly, but I'm not going to teach any child about BDSM. Like, <laughs> if you're that curious and you want to do your research, God forbid your parents look on your freaking browser history. But, you know, really understand what you're you're representing and what you're putting out there. You know, because I just, I'm so sick of seeing these alphas being abusive people and just the women end up having, because like, it is Stockholm Syndrome what these Lunas or whatever go through like when they end up falling for the person who's abusing them mentally and emotionally and sometimes physically That's Stockholm syndrome You know, there's no other way around it. It's Stockholm syndrome. It's not love. It's a Mental break. It's, it's damaging. Okay. I'm, I'm ranting about this a lot because it's just something that I really get heated about and I want people to understand that this is exactly what I mean about doing your research and really understanding what you're trying to depict and what you're representing because it just really kills me inside to see young women writing about this stuff and thinking that it's okay and that that's that's love because it's not moving forward because <laughs> i ranted about that a lot but moving forward uh the technically fourth one uh that's kind of like my little uh pet peeves of cliches is the bad boy versus good girl type aspect and there have been times I've seen the good girl be the bad girl and the guy be the good guy um but it's typically always the I don't know why we always put men in the the bad boy category like when we put guys in that area like I, I understand the sex appeal to it but I find that we do that quite often and I'm guilty of that as well. I always make my male characters usually pretty arrogant and cocky and a little domineering. But, um, that's just because that's, I don't know, I, I, that's just the perfect asshole to me, I guess. Because <laughs> usually those are my asshole characters. But, um, we always, you know, it's just, when it comes to the bad boy, good girl thing, it either goes one of two ways. One, we grease it out and they try to become something they're not for the other person or the bad boy becomes a good guy somehow by her influence and that's not unrealistic it's just it's very common to see that happen especially when it comes to the like high school romances it's very rare you find an adult novel that actually has the bad boy thing I mean they can have like kind of like the same type of personality traits but more matured but it's not as obviously like the bad boy like they don't get labeled the bad boy um <laughs> that makes any sense i'm not really sure if it does but one way to really kind of like i think to avoid like having that be an entire cliche in itself is i would you know because like when it comes to the bad boy he's always like 
wounded on the inside. That's why he's acting out, which, yes, that is a realistic response. There are many, many people who act out in anger, rebelliousness, crime, whatever, at a young age to gain attention because they're not getting the kind of attention they want at home, vice versa. But one way to really avoid that is, I think, for the cliche of it, is maybe don't make the girl such a good girl like maybe she has her fucking flaws too or maybe she's like a bad girl as well like i'd love to see a bad girl versus like you know and a bad boy and like falling for each other and what kind of dynamic that would be i mean obviously like well they're both bad scarlet yeah i know but in what ways like does both of their damages that they are experiencing do they help each other through it like what kind of process would that be and i feel like that'd be really uh, like interesting to read about just from an emotional aspect, you know, being a teenager is a really rough time for a lot of people, and to have a high school romance novel that maybe focuses more on not just the falling in love aspect, but the hardships of being an adolescent, of learning who you are, and maybe they don't even have to fall in love, maybe they could just be those backbones that those two people needed, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it would just be nice to see some of these high school romances, maybe be more about these individuals as individuals, not just as couples, you know? High school's a very hard time. <laughs> Coming from somebody who had a really shitty high school experience, it's rough. It's rough out there. And I see you guys now, and I'm like 24, and I'm like, damn, I thought it was bad when I was in high school, which is not that long ago, but I feel like I really dodged a freaking bullet. Like, when I entered high school, just to get off topic real quick, when I entered high school, I was still in the MySpace era. Like, we didn't have cyberbullying yet. We didn't have, like, we didn't even have, like, we only had flip phones. I didn't get my first phone until I was 16. It was a flip phone. Those things are indestructible, by the way. I had, I, I was convinced I would never get an iPhone or anything like that. I had a flip phone. I got three different flip phones. I had three different flip phones until I was 20, guys. 20 years old. That's how long it took me to catch up with the times. I'm a little behind. <laughs> um, moving on. So, I kind of already mentioned it, but high school romances are a cliche. I don't really like. It's, you know, to go with that, it's the popular guy and the nerd, or just the popular guy in general, with the high school romances. Like, I hate the whole, like, duff shit. Like, I hate when, like, the girl, or like, you know, 16 Candles, or whatever, and the girl's like, maybe she's pretty, but, like, she's not an obvious pretty, or something. And in the end, she becomes more beautiful at the end of the story by either taking off her glasses or wearing her hair a certain way or wearing ma or getting a full-on freaking makeover. I don't know. I just don't like it because I don't like reading about stories where people change, not for themselves, but for other people to be more socially or romantically accepted. I just am not really about that vibe. I think it's very annoying. I feel like it's very, it's very honestly and unfortunately realistic. You know, it's very shallow and I'm just not interested. I feel like... <sighs> no. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like if you're going to have the nerd and the popular guy in a high school romance, or even just in general, you know, break away from that cliche of her having to change the way she looks. Maybe just have him fall in love with her how she is. And this actually reminds me of a really great book. It's called Bet on Me. And really short, you know, summary about that book. 
Um, it's basically about this woman who, she's a chubbier woman. Uh, she's not, like, severely overweight, but she's plus size, you know? And she had just gotten out of this relationship, and this guy, I don't remember his name, I haven't read this book in years, but he was a very popular man. He was a, a womanizer. He always got the woman he wanted, yada, yada, yada. And so the ex-boyfriend of the girl was like, you know, I bet you can't get in her pants, essentially. And the guy's like, you know, womanizer-esque. He's like, watch me, bruh. And they bet on this, like they have a bet. And the girl's just kind of like resisting his charms and she's not really interested. And it makes him want to kind of pursue her even more, but more on a serious level. And eventually they end up falling in love and he doesn't expect her to change. Like he accepts her for who she is, for her size, even though that wasn't his type in the beginning, he grew to love her for her and for what she offered as a person, not what she offered due to her physical attributes. And, you know, I think that's a really great way to break away from the cliche of the popular girl and the nerd guy with the girl always changing in the end. You know, she didn't change in the end, and that's what I really enjoyed about that story. Um, if you guys want, I'll actually I'll link that book down below so you guys can find it if you're interested. I think it's an amazing read. It's a really cute, very charming story. Um, I also really don't like arranged marriage cliches and how, like, they always seem to fall in love in the end. I would really love to see an arranged marriage story. And they don't even necessarily have to hate each other in the end, but maybe they just agree to disagree, that they just won't ever have feelings for each other, and that's okay. You know, you're not always gonna... I mean, like, I don't really know many people who are in arranged marriage, so I can't really say you're not always gonna love the person you marry, because I really hope you do. <laughs> um, but, you know, hypothetically speaking, if you were to get into an arranged marriage, you may not even like the person ever. You may never be on decent terms. And, you know, that's, unfortunately, something that's very natural. There's not, like, not everybody you're going to click with, especially if you're forced into a marriage. Like, I, I honestly, personally, would probably be like, I'm not about this. I'm only here because I have to be. Um, I mean, I think, like, a part of me would try to fall in love with them and try to find something about them that I liked. But, unfortunately, there are people that there's nothing about them that you like. And I feel like that would be a very natural thing to happen in a story about arranged marriage so if you're gonna do arranged marriages a way to break away from that cliche is maybe delve a little bit deeper you know dig deep imagine yourself in this scenario no matter how good looking he or she is no matter how charismatic they may be you know ideally if you were put in that situation how would you respond to it and i think that always asking yourself as the writer when it comes to writing in general not just with cliches but asking yourself these questions, like, how would I react to this, is a great way to put your own experiences and emotions and make them be conveyed a lot more realistically and a lot more emotionally as well. Because you're you're trying to move your readers in some way or the other, whether that's, you know, happiness, sadness, anger, you know, etc., etc. I feel like I always kind of go back to that. <laughs> I can never stay on topic. Um... I also hate anything regarding mates, and like this goes beyond alphas, unfortunately. Um, I've also seen this happen with uh, shifter stories. I'm not a fan of shifter stories, I've actually never really fully read one, but they kind of just remind me a lot of the werewolf stuff anyways, so they're pretty much the same. Uh, but I hate like the, the mate things, it kind of goes with the alpha stuff too, but for some reason the male always thinks because like, you're my mate that for some reason that means that she's his property and there's only one story and i wish i could remember the name of it but i found it on ink it 
where the woman actually got pissed off because he acted like she was his property and she was like i'm your mate not your property and she actually said that and i was like yes like applause all around you go girl you get that independence you know like <laughs> it just kind of goes with the whole thing i said the whole spiel about you know the domineering and the controlling and narcissism it's just it's just negative guys it's just if you're gonna put that kind of shit in a story make sure it's realistic you know abuse is abuse no matter how you write it you know um i also this is because of twilight <laughs> mostly because i do love anne rice um but i hate vampire and human love because ever since twilight came out i feel like every single aside from like the actual one that was plagiarized that i had on my on my channel um, every single one I read, I feel like I always get Twilight vibes and PTSD from man, like, ah, Twilight. Um, I mean, we literally had a plagiarized story of Twilight on this channel, so, <laughs> you know, I think you guys can understand a little bit my, my little dislike for that. Um, this isn't really a cliche cliche, but it definitely is, like, a phrase I really hate, and I see it so much, so much, it's, like, nauseating. For some reason, when it's always the guy who's, like, super wealthy or he's super popular in school. It's always the guy who, like, he knows he's seen a lot of attractive women in his life. He's probably, like, banged a lot of attractive women in his life. And he always, when he sees the main character female, he's always like, She's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen. And I'm like, bitch, no, she's not. Like, <laughs> You can, like, admit, like, she's beautiful, but saying she's the most beautiful girl I've ever seen, or whatever, it's like, that's not really realistic, because I'm sure you have seen a lot of beautiful women in your life. Like, you can say she's pretty, but, like, just, it's such a phrase that's so overused that it's just kind of like an eye roll. It's kind of like if some guy messaged me, like, this is a real story, if any guy messages me and he's like, you're beautiful, it kind of makes me, like, eye roll, and I know that sounds really snobby, but it's because I just really don't really care for physical compliments. I like people complimenting me mentally and on my intelligence and my, my humor and stuff like that. So when I read that you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen in a story, I'm kind of like, sure, buddy. Okay. <laughs> and to go with that, there's another phrase, which is um compared to other women. And usually when they say compared to the other girls, they actually haven't made a comparison yet. Like they really haven't talked to the girl yet. And they're still just this so infatuated with this woman and they haven't even really introduced themselves or even know them and it's like honey how how is she different than the other girls when you haven't even found out what her name is yet like she hasn't even spoken there's no there's nothing yet like <laughs> it's just it you know it's just a mess and just avoid it don't do it i don't have the only advice i have to avoid that cliche is just don't do it <laughs> like like you know um and the final cliche that I'm going to mention is the chosen one cliche. Now, this is going to excuse The Last Airbender because that's an amazing show. And anyone who disagrees with me can get off my channel right now. But, uh, I'm just kidding. But, um, the chosen one cliche kind of bothers me because I feel like it sets up an expectation. And the story can be really great and all, but I just hate the, the chosen one because... No matter what obstacle this character faces, in the end, he's the chosen one. So he's going to find a way to succeed and overcome it. And it's just a matter of time. 
you know, before he dies. Whether that takes one book, two books, three books, or, like, ten books. Either way, it's gonna happen. And it's just... It doesn't mean that it can't be a great story. Like, if I hear a Chosen One thing, I'm not immediately like, nope, not gonna read this. I will still read it, and it could have an amazing plot, and amazing characters, and amazing just everything. It's just... It does set an expectation, and that's what bothers me about it. Um... So maybe if, like, they are the chosen one, I just get, I think, just find a different way to, like, explain it without making it so obvious that no matter what, they're gonna win. That's kind of like Superman battling any villain he does in the comics or the movies. Yeah, they can get kryptonite and whatever, but he's freaking Superman, dude. Like, he's gonna find a way to, to, to succeed. He's freaking Superman. His only weakness is kryptonite. And honestly, now that we're talking about it, how the hell do these people keep managing to get a piece of kryptonite? Like, the planet blew up! I'm just so confused. <laughs> I'm getting off topic again. Um, either way, guys, that is my list of cliches that I can't stand in stories. And I hope... I don't even know if I even was helpful in this episode, <laughs> to be honest. <laughs> I just finished, like, a 12, 13-hour shift. And I think we mostly just rambled about these things. But I hope it gives you guys a little insight of a reader's perspective on how these cliches can be a little much, I'll say. Um, I really enjoyed talking about it. I really enjoyed chilling with you guys, just spouting off random things. And I feel like I feel like I needed this today. I feel like I just needed to ramble. And I love being able to ramble with you guys, you guys not judging me for it. <laughs> but um, anyways. I will see you guys in the next episode. I am here for you every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday. And yeah, so I will see you guys in the next video. Next video. Yeah, Scarlet. This is an audio. Oh god, remember that. But yeah, I will see you guys next time. Stay tuned. And if you haven't already, make sure you follow me on Instagram and Twitter. I am under the name The Inked Podcaster. And I will see you next time. Bye!